right. How are we doing, Grace? Okay. All right. All right. Good deal. Good deal. Um, well, hey, I tell you what, I want to jump right into this thing because there's a lot we got to talk about today, okay? There's a ton we got to talk about in James 2, verses 14 to 26. And so we're going to jump right into this thing. Um, if you don't know anything about James, essentially James is a letter uh, that was written by a guy with the name, his name was... James. Okay, good. We're tracking. Okay, awesome. All right. And he was also pastoring this church, this first century Christian church. Uh, he's, he's pastoring this, and uh, he, he writes this letter really to, to focus in on some areas that they were off. And if you've been here the past few weeks, these are kind of some of the things we've talked about last week. Uh, we looked at how the church was showing favoritism to the rich and the poor. And, uh, you know, Zach did a great job of breaking that down and really reminding us that, man, the gospel story is this. The message of Jesus is for all and nobody is greater than anyone else. And uh, we don't need to show favoritism to anyone. We for that uh, really uh, just something else looked at was hearing and doing the word, like Hearing it on Sundays, daily in our, our time with, with God and, and devotions, but then applying that, living that out. And then the first week we kicked it off with kind of an intro to James um, as he's pastoring his church. They were just going through difficult times. Uh, but James this week, he kind of shifts gears and he focuses on, on another thing that uh, maybe he felt like some of the people in the church that they were really, they were off on. And really, uh, this part of the letter he focuses on how we can know and how this first century Christian church, how they can know if they have real, genuine, authentic faith. Which I think if all of us are honest, I mean, you guys are here at church this morning, um, which means this, you value faith, uh, you value God, your relationship with him at least a little bit. And so man, I think that all of us, I mean, we need to hear this message this morning and make sure that our faith is, it's real and it's alive. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, for starters, though, uh, my son Baylor, he's nine years old, okay? And one thing that I've been doing with him this summer, spring and summer, is, uh, is teaching him how to cut the grass, all right? Which, you know, nine years old, we got like, a, like one acres or whatever out in the country south of Clyde, that's where we live. And uh, that's, that's his thing that we're training him to do, okay? And Nobody get upset about that, okay? I do pay him a little bit for it, all right? When I was nine, I didn't get paid, all right? So just throwing that out there, all right? But I've been training him, which has been a learning curve, okay? Uh, but it was a couple weeks ago. Um, I was here working at the church, and I was going to get off till pretty late that day, and it was Baylor's day to cut the grass. And uh, he went out there to try to start the lawnmower. It did nothing, couldn't get it going. And uh, so Marissa, she's out there, you know, and she's calling me. She's like, AJ, you know, I... I don't know what's going on. It's not doing anything. So I had her check a few things. And in my head, I kind of knew, like, I was thinking, okay, I think I know what the problem is. Um, I said, just don't worry about it. I'll take care of it when I get home. And, and so later that evening, I got home. And the first thing I did was grab the, uh, the, the battery tester that, we ha that I have, right? Grabbed it. I looked at a couple things real quick, opened the hood, put the tester right on it, and boom. Red on red, black on black. I almost messed that up for service, by the way. Not supposed to do that, right? But so red on red, black on black, flip it, and needle doesn't even move. It's completely dead, all right? Now, my assumption was right. I thought the battery was dead, but I didn't really know until I got the battery tester out and put it on red on red, black on black, positive, negative, right? I didn't know until it said that it was completely dead that I was right about that, right? And so that being said, <clears throat> I think this morning what we need to do as 
Grace Community Church in Tiffin, Ohio, is this, we need to put the, really, the faith test on, and we need to, to see where we're at in our relationship with God, to see, man, if we really have a genuine, authentic, real faith or not. And so this essentially is what James, he's talking about this morning in verses 14 to 26. And he's going to say this, that yes, I mean, it lines up with the Bible, the rest of the Bible, that it is, man, how we have a relationship with God, how we're forgiven of our sins, it is by faith in Jesus and Jesus alone and what he did on the cross. End of story, hands down. Right? Like, he agrees with that. I mean, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and all kinds of other passages in the Bible, they support this. Again, that to have a relationship with God starts with us admitting that we're sinners and trusting what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's how we start that relationship with God. But he tells us this. It is a certain kind of faith. A faith which produces works. See, he's not saying this. We have to get this this morning, like some religions teach. He's not saying that doing good, good works, save us. Okay, he's not saying that. He's saying that a faith that does not produce really works in our life, it just deceives us. It's not saving faith. And it can't, it can't lead us into like this growing relationship with Christ. It can't lead us into spending eternity with Jesus forever. And really the, the reason why is because it's, it's dead and dead things do nothing. How many of you guys had a fish that died when you were a kid? Like, you, okay, all right, this is what I like. All right, a lot of you guys. I did too. I had one that made it to like hour 48, which is kind of normal. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so, you know, you got your fish, you get it home, put it in a little bowl, and like less than 40 hours later, it's belly up and it's dead, you know? And as a kid, you're like, I mean, it's kind of, you hate it, but it's like time for bubbles to go down the toilet, you know? But, you, you know, you, you know that it's not alive, because it's not doing anything. It's just belly up, floating there. You're giving it food. It's doing nothing, right? And that's kind of what James is saying here. Your, your dead faith, it's, 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 it's exactly that. It's not doing anything. It's dead. So James, he takes this portion of a letter. And he gives us two questions in the first verse that we're going to look at, verse 14, if we're going to pull that up, that really he's, he's challenging his church with here, but also, man, every human in history needs to really to, to ask themselves these questions. And he's going to take the rest of, of the book or the rest of chapter, chapter two and answer these questions. But he says this, okay, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, so he's talking to the church, brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have, check this out, faith, but does not have works, can such faith save him? So before we go on to the rest of how he's answering this, the rest of the text, we have to get what James means by works. All right, is it keeping a set of rules and laws and commands in the Old Testament like some that were in that crowd probably were thinking? All right, to get the answer, we have to go back to James 1, verse 27. And we can define what he's talking about by these, these works. See, he tells us this in James 2. Works means this. It is a life of loving God and growing in our relationship with him and then in return, because of that, we're loving others and growing in our relationship with them. Hopefully that they come to know Christ as their Savior. See, if we say we have faith in God, but we have no works, and like, what good is it? Can that faith save us? And, and if you, you probably know where I'm going with this, but James is saying clearly, no. 
Like that faith, it can't save you. Like if, if you're saying that, you know, you prayed a prayer and life is just totally the same as what it was before Jesus and you have no desire to change and no desire to be like Christ and no desire to love people to Jesus, then I would challenge you and say, like, I, I don't know if you're a Christian. See, what James is saying, it lines up with our mission statement here at Grace. And some of you guys, I'm sure you know it by now, um, but our mission statement is here that we want every single person that is affected by grace, they, they come to the doors of, of Grace Community Church, we want every single person to, to really to understand these, all right? To first discover truth, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, right? To understand their sin. And then secondly, if they discover truth, next, they, we want them to decide on Jesus, to make that decision, to give their life to Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. Right, we have two more, the third and fourth one. We want the church then, after they become believers, to demonstrate change and then deploy for others. You see, those third, third and fourth thing in our mission statement, they're all about faith showing up in what we do, showing up in our life, showing up in our works. So before we jump to this passage, passage a question I want each of us really to ask ourselves. It's the same question that James is asking. It's this, if you say you have faith in God, okay, that's great, and we'll look at that in a little bit. But your life, it doesn't show it. Man, can that kind of faith save you? Right, the question is not, can faith save the lost? We, we have to get that this morning, okay? Of course, it is faith in what Jesus did on the cross. That is how we come to a relationship with God. It is, it is, it is only that way. The question is this, can a faith without works save the lost? And the answer is no. I mean, why can't it, right? If you're really a Christian, I mean, if you really are a believer, you give your life to Christ, like, we should change to be more like Christ. I mean, in fact, this group of people that, uh, that James is writing to, that we're reading about this, in the story this morning, these first century Christians, they were called Christians by people that were outside of the church that looked at these people like, man, they act how we think Christ would act. I mean, they saw Christ and how they live life. It's how they got the term and how we got the term Christian. So James, he takes the rest of the chapter really to, to show us how we can have real, genuine faith. All right, so this is important for each of us to look at really our own life and to see, like, are we just claiming to be followers of God? Like, we're saying, hey, I prayed a prayer back then, and I don't care anything about God, so I'm good to go. Okay, is that, is that what we're doing? Or is our life drastically changed by Jesus? So we'll put the test on in verse 15 to 26 and see if we pass, if we have that relationship with God, if we've been saved, if we are in the faith. All right, one thing I want to do first is this, all right? I think a lot of times, in fact, probably, yeah, most of the time, all right, I would say this, but we get into like a teaching mode, okay, um, if you're like me, you're sitting here, you know, Zach's teaching, and you're like drifting off, you're not paying attention, you know what I'm talking about, okay, I know, I do it, I do it like every week, and I have to remind myself, AJ, focus back in, right, focus back in, all right, so this morning, though, I want us, as best we can, like, let's try to focus in on not what I'm saying, because it's not what I'm saying, let's focus in on what the Bible specifically says and see if, like, we pass the test to see if we really have a relationship with God or not. Because here's the deal. This test, it could tell us where we'll spend eternity. Or where, like, man, if we have a relationship with Christ, it'll tell us, okay, great. But, man, it might tell some of us, some of us, we, we think that we have a relationship with God. But after this, it might tell us this morning, and we don't. Our relationship with God is, is off. And 
I think it's fitting. If you think about this, uh, so as a student pastor, there's like, I think there's five students or so, six students right now that are 16, and they're in the middle of getting their uh, driver's license, okay? Now, what if those five or six 16-year-olds just went down to BMV here in Tiffin and just walked in and were like, all right, here's my birth certificate. I'm 16 years old. I need my license. Right? We wouldn't be driving, right? We'd be off the road. I mean, they'd be crazy drivers, right? I mean, like, they have to go through what? A couple tests. They got to take a written test, got to take a driver's test. Right? I mean, like, those are all things that they, like, have to do in order to get the test. And the same thing, if we profess to be Christians, like, there's, there's a test that we need to take. We need to make sure, like, we really are believers. Okay, so verse 15 and 16, James starts out this test, and he says this. Uh, if a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? Remember verse 15. This was a common problem many in the church like, could have faced with. And in fact, probably faced with on a daily, like a, a daily basis. I mean, they lacked the essentials to live, to be able to make it through. They were starving. or didn't have the clothes to stay warm. They were homeless. Right? The church had needs. And he's saying this, like, man, if you can help them out, like, you have the resources to do that, first century church, the people that I'm pastoring. He's saying, man, you have no desire, and you're not helping them. They're like, what good is your faith? Like, what, what good is that? You're just, you're okay with not helping them out that are inside the church? See, to those that were deep in need, these other believers that had the resources and had the stuff, they just became like well-wishers. Uh, maybe you guys are like me when I was a kid, you know, you go by like a wishing fountain. There, I think there's one like up in Sandusky somewhere or something. I don't know. But you go by and you'd wish for a new PlayStation or a new bike or whatever, right? And you'd throw the penny or quarter in, you know, and you'd hope whatever, you know, you get that. I never, even as like an eight, nine-year-old kid, I never actually thought that a bike would pop out when I threw the penny in, right? And that's all these people came. Like they just were, they, they were just an ear to hear what the problems were of the poor that were in the church. See, to those in need, that's all they were, were just well-wishers. They would just say, well, have a nice day. Like just only offering them, verse 16 tells us, is offering really them just nice words. Got a problem? And hey, uh, my family's starving. The rich guy would say, uh, man, go get some food. You know, yeah, we're cold. We need to stay warm. Hey, stay warm. God, it's okay. God's got it. But never doing anything about it. Now, what good is that? Like, what good is that as a believer? See, I think a lot of us can be guilty of this at times, and I'm, I'm going back to something that just happened a couple weeks ago. Someone here at Grace shared with me something, and literally my response to them, they were struggling with a difficult time. My response to them was, I'm sorry that happened. And that's all that AJ did. Prayed about it a couple times, but I never personally did anything to help them when it was in my power to do that. And what did that do for them? Not much. See, Grace Community Church here at Tiffin, and may this not be our attitude. And I think if we think about this, think about what Jesus did for you personally. Think about what he did for us as a church. I mean, it should cause us to reach out to those that are in need inside the community of the church and to be that helping hand. Right, the message of Jesus, I mean, think about it. It's this, people were in need of a savior, right? 
They were in need of forgiveness of sins so we could spend eternity, a relationship with God. So God, his grace and his love did what? He sent us on Jesus to this earth to die a miserable death for broken, needy, messed up people like us. Man, you were in need and Jesus came in love. And how can we not, as the church, reach out and meet those needs for people that are in our church? Whether it's financial, maybe it's a physical, spiritual need, offer counsel, prayer, you know, whatever. See, Jesus, he talked about this while he was on the earth. And James, he's doing that here. As we experience God's grace and his love and his mercy, it, it's really this, that our heart, it begins to be transformed. It begins to be changed so that our love for God and our love for others expands. It grows. See, I think if there was a group of people that got this, it was at the book of Acts when the church started. Okay, and just want to throw this out there real quick. We have a Bible study. Wednesday nights, we're going through the book of Acts. It's awesome. It's incredible. Uh, Wednesday, 6.30 to 7.30. And uh, we're just walking through, just following the church and what it did. But you see, I think they understood what it meant to like live this passage of scripture out, helping those in need. I mean, Remember what they did? They like sold all their possessions. I mean, they sold them to help out others that were inside the church. I mean, they got it. They were devoted to loving others to Jesus. And here's the thing about it. It wasn't like something that Peter had to tell them to do. It just was a natural response. It was a natural reaction to really all that Jesus did for them. I mean, just think about this, bringing this to Grace Communion Church in 2021 and Tiffin. I mean, one of the ways that we can get involved, we can be the church and support those really part of our church or in our church is our Thailand orphanages. We support, we fully support two Thailand orphanages that literally take in orphans, you know, a couple times a year. I think we're up to like 55 to 60 orphans in between the two of those. And we clothe them, we feed them. We have leaders that are there that are trained to take care of them. I mean, everything. We do, I don't know if you guys remember, even a, I think like right after we first opened, we did, a, and you guys gave to this, but we built a, a little soccer complex for them and uh, just something to enjoy. But we're taking care of their needs. Another thing is financially supporting like Growing With Grace campaign. And I know a lot of you guys are doing that. Uh, we're trying to expand for the purpose of reaching more people for Jesus. Then in verse 17, Check out what he says. You can almost like hear his disgust in this, but he says, in the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. He keeps coming back to this idea. A dead faith is the faith that does nothing because it's dead. I mean, it's dead. It's not gonna do anything. I mean, if we really have faith, it will be seen in what we do for others. One of the coolest ways uh, that I think that you guys do this is uh, every year we have summer trips here at Grace for our students. We have uh, a big event called Kalahari uh, that happens up in Sandusky at Kalahari. And uh, it, these are huge events, and they're fun, and they're a blast. We talk about going whitewater rafting and getting running out the entire water park. I mean, we do some crazy stuff. You guys probably know that. But those are all fun things, and really those are all there for the purpose like, of getting them to hear Jesus. Like, the whitewater rafting is cool and all that, but really ultimately we want students to make the decision to give their life to Jesus. And so just throwing this out there, you guys are phenomenal at supporting it, financially supporting students to go every week. In fact, I had another, another guy this morning came up to me and he goes, hey, is there any students that want to go on the trip that cannot financially afford it? 
you know, he's coming up to me asking me, he's like, I want to pay. I don't care if it's two, three, four kids. I want to know. Like, and that's incredible. And in fact, last year, just looking back, we had over 20 students that were supported financially because of your guys' generosity, you guys' giving. Yeah, awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah, we clapped for that. That's good. But with that, out of those 20 students that were supported, four of them made the decision to give their life to Jesus. What is that? That's huge. That's, that's why we do what we do, right? I mean, that's the, the, the biggest thing we're trying to do as Christians is get people to make the decision to follow Jesus. I mean, it's incredible. And man, what if, like, what if you didn't financially support that student that gave life to Christ? I mean, just think about that. That's all that I'm saying is this, is we can't say we have faith if we never do anything with our faith for others. Our faith is really something that should naturally affect others through our generosity and through us. James, he goes on in verse 18, 20. He says this, but someone will say, so this is someone probably, he's thinking of somebody in his church, all right? Someone's gonna say this, hey, you have faith and I have works. James responds, show me your faith without your works and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one? That's a good thing. Okay, that's good. But even the demons, they believe and they shudder or they fear God. Senseless person, saying, you fool, you empty, empty person. Are you willing to learn that faith without works, it is useless? And I, I don't know how he get this point across anymore. He's just trying to say this, guys, like, say we have faith in God, but we don't ever do anything with that. Man, that just tells us this, that our faith isn't real. Like, our faith is completely senseless. It's, it's useless. And he keeps repeating this idea that People have a dead faith. See, we can't just claim like a lip service to God, right? Hey, I'm a Christian. Like, we can't just claim that and never do anything with Christianity, never do anything with Christ. I mean, if he does, if we do, it's, it's really just saying like our faith isn't, isn't real. Last part of verse 18, 19, he says, hey, show me your faith apart or without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. The verb show, it usually means to, like, to make visible. But here it specifically means to prove. So I love this, right? James is saying, okay, Grace Community Church or first century Christian, you know, back then. You say that you're a Christian? That's good. Awesome. That's great. Now prove it. You say that you're a believer of the gospel? Like you say that? Okay, show me. Prove it. Think about like a chair, right? We're just going to bring a little illustration here, all right? James, he's saying this to this antagonistic viewpoint. He's saying, okay, Mr. Antagonist, you think, like you say that you have faith, sit in the chair. You think it'll hold you up? Okay, that's fine. Go ahead, have a seat. He's trying to get them to see that, like, you say you have faith in God, so sit down. Do you not, like, trust the engineer that developed the chair? Do you don't trust the structural integrity of the chair or what? You say that you have faith in the chair, so go ahead and have, have a seat. You say that you're a Christian, like prove it. Your life should show it. See, I think there's a lot of people, they fit in this category. They have good information. They have, we'll call this this morning, intellectual belief about God or intellectual belief in God, but they have no genuine faith. So James, he then gives a defense against someone that like believes that intellectual belief, it's good enough to have a relationship with God. It's interesting what he does. He brings in demons. He says, okay, um, yeah, you believe in God, that's, that's fine. 
uh, that's, that's good. But even the demons believe in God. Even the demons, they fear God. James says, man, that's, that's, that's a good thing. I mean, yeah, they, they believe that God created the world. I mean, they believe that Jesus even died for sinful people. I mean, they had a head knowledge of God. They even feared God. So what? See, demons have good information. They have an intellectual belief about God, but they lack transformation. Why? Because they've never fully put their faith and their trust in Jesus to save them. See, they know a ton about God. Again, this is an example of how they fear God. You can go to Mark one twenty four. It says this. Uh, these are demons talking to Jesus. Hey, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Check this out. Have you come to destroy us? They're fearful. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. See, I think what James is saying is, is this, is just trying to bring this, this point full circle. He's saying intellectual information about God is not true faith. We can't just think acknowledging God is good enough. Real faith always produces trust and obedience to God. It produces transformation in our life. And it's kind of a key word in, in this whole thing is, it, you know, when we repent of our sins, true transformation happens. And if you remember a few weeks ago, Zach talked about it. He said how, like, repentance is just, it's, it's really this, and it's, we, we can't be Christians without repentance, all right? But repentance is, you know, we're doing our own thing in life, and we're, we're living for ourselves, we're living in sin, and we're following our life. And then God, man, he convicts us, and we realize, man, we are sinners, we have broken God's law. We've sinned against him. And because of that, we can't have a relationship with him. But Jesus came and his love and mercy died for us. And so, and because of that, I put my faith in Jesus and I'm going the other way. Right, that's what repentance is. It's a, change, it's a change of direction in our life. See, we can say we have good information. We can say that like, we believe God. But just like the chair illustration, like, we never really have faith until we, we do what? Until we actually sit in the chair. I mean, we can know everything there is to know about the makeup of a chair. We can have a doctorate degree in how to make a chair. But if we never put ourselves in the chair, we never actually sit in the chair, we have no faith. It's not seen in what we do. Faith is always accompanied by action. We may grow up in church and, and knowing the stories and knowing the truth of the Bible and, and, and you know, thinking, yeah, that's right, these are good, but never calling God for decisions or directions in life. So our faith should be the lens or the filter that really we live life. We do everything in life. Just some examples. Hey, God, uh, should I pursue this career? God, should I, should I do this? God, what do you want me to do? Okay, you don't want me to? All right, great. God, what, you know, like, what, how, what should I do to financially support the church? Like, you want me to, what do you want me to do? Or God, like, should I, should I move my family across the country to this new job? Like, is that something that I should do? You go with that. Okay, you want me to do it? Okay, great. God, should I post this on Instagram or Facebook? Oh, it just got real. Yeah, it got real. Okay, all right. Yeah, should I post this on Instagram or Facebook? People probably need to do that a little more often these days, okay? All right, God, you don't want me to. God, how should I spend my time with my family this week? I got a busy week. God, how do I spend those crucial three or four hours this week? Like, what should I do as a Christian leader in my home? Like, how should I spend that time with my family? God, I'm frustrated. I made dumb decisions in life. What do I do next in my relationship with you? God, I don't like where I'm at in life. God, what should I do? See, we show that we trust God by obeying his commands. 
And James, he shares this. He shares that the unity of the Bible, going all the way back to the Old Testament, he goes back and he shows really two examples that tell us that faith alone saves you, but not faith that is alone. And he shares that in James 2, 21 to 26. He says, wasn't Abraham, our father, he was justified by, off, uh, by works and offering Isaac his son on the altar. You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith is made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab, the prostitute, also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them, sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. James, he gives us two examples from the Old Testament. And kind of two, really, I would say these are like two extremes, okay? He gives the example of Abraham's faith, and then he gives the example of Rahab's faith. So first what we're going to do is we're going to break down, talk about what he means here with Abraham's faith, and then we'll go to Rahab. All right, so think about this. The crowd that he's writing to, remember, first century Christian, you know, Jewish people, right? They are, you know, that, that's mainly what the church is made up of at this time, this, this congregation, mainly Jewish Christian people. And so it makes total sense to bring in the father, I mean, the leader of the Jewish people, this guy named Abraham. I mean, it's, it's easy to see like, why he would do that. I mean, yeah, this guy is the leader, and he's going to connect the dots of what true faith is, and that, man, that, that faith is, is always working, and it's serving others, and it's reaching people for Jesus. It's, it's not alone. It's not just praying a prayer and done. It's giving your life fully over to Jesus, and then Jesus drastically transforms life. So back in Genesis 12, Abraham, this leader, he's promised a new land, a blessing, a nation to be God's people, the Israelites. So I'm sure when they heard, like, uh, James, he's talking about this guy named Abraham, that instantly, I mean, they knew exactly who that was. And they're like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, I get it now. Like, this is the father Abraham, right? He's, man, he's our fearless leader. We're going to, you know, that's, that's who got us started. And, man, God used him in a huge way. He was a man of faith. And he was a, he was a guy that just, man, he pursued his relationship with God. And he led well. And he did all kinds of great things, which is true. And then he goes to this story, James uh, 2, 21 to 24. He brings up this guy, uh, or he brings up Isaac and this whole story. And, and this is kind of how the story goes. So God tells Abraham way back in Genesis to take his son, his only son that was promised him, all right, tells him to take his son and to sacrifice him. That's Isaac. To literally offer him as a lamb on the altar. Offer him, lay down his life on that altar. So Abraham, he just... Goes. He loads, he loads uh, his stuff up, gets his wood, and he travels to the top of the mountain with his son Isaac. He ties his son Isaac down on the altar on the top of this mountain. Getting ready to sacrifice him with the knife raised up in the air, just as he determines he's going to do this, God does what? He stops him from doing that, and God provides a ram that's caught in the thicket to be laid down on that altar. So he takes Isaac off. See, Abraham, he proved his obedience to God. His faith is shown in his commitment to trust God, even when it didn't make a lot of sense. See, Abraham believed that God would raise his son Isaac from the dead if he was to take his life, and the book of Hebrews tells us that. But why would God do that? I mean, it's kind of, kind of weird, right? But why would God do that? See, God shows us 
what it is to make God first in your life. And I'm sure they, like, they definitely started to get this, what James was saying. I mean, bring back the first century the Christians and that Jewish church. Like, they're like, man, okay, I think we start to get this. Yeah, faith and works, they go hand in hand. Right? Like, as a Christian, God has drastically changed my life, and it's going to be played out like, in, my, in my life, my works. It's going to be seen. So Abraham's called justified. James, in closing on this portion of Abraham's faith and works, he says it is made complete. In this statement, he's expressing that his faith has reached its intended goal. Verse 24, uh, uh, James has been attacking this entire text. He's been attacking what we would call like bogus faith. Really, not faith at all. He's been attacking this dead, this useless faith. And, and Paul aligns with James all the way back in Galatians 5, 6, where he says this, faith without working through love, uh, faith with working through love is what matters to Jesus Christ. Paul and James, they're reminding us that we cannot have a dead faith. Like, we can't claim that. But it's interesting what happens. He closes out Abraham, and then he brings in someone else. And I want you, I want you guys to finish this line if you can for me. He brings in Rahab the prostitute. See, in this culture, just, just think about this, all right? In this culture, just referencing a, a woman, they, they viewed them as like, you know, second class, which wasn't right. All of us would agree to that. It was wrong. But then on top of that, he says, no, this woman was also a, a prostitute, someone that was viewed as, by, by many, the lowest of low in that culture. Right? It had been uh, used and abused by others. I mean, nobody grows up wanting to be a prostitute. But yet in this, he tells them to look to her faith as an example to follow. And we know that based off the story of Rahab. And if you don't know it, I'll just quickly give you the rundown. Go back to Joshua 2, phenomenal chapter in the Bible to check out maybe your devotions this week. But Rahab, she hears all that God did. It's like she heard, heard how he split the, the Red Sea and brought him across on dry ground. And she heard all that God done, and she was convinced that God was really God of earth and in heaven. And in Joshua 2.11, she shares that, showing her faith in God. And when the Israelite leaders are coming, or the Israelite leader, Joshua, he sends two spies to view this land of Jericho out, which was a big piece in the Israelites' like in their, their story and what God had planned for them, right? She's residing in this, this town of Jericho. These, these spies, they come in to view this land out. And what does she do? She hides the two spies while the king, he's trying to find them with his men and to kill them, to try to stop this, you know, this plan from the Israelites taking over. And she hides these men. And then eventually she helps them escape the city and lets them down by a rope, lowering them down to where they can escape off really the roof of her house. Her faith is seen. She is justified in her actions. We know that she has faith in God because of what she did. Verse 26, James is not saying, he's not saying this, he's not saying that works be added to your faith to be saved. He's saying this, the right kind of faith is a faith that is alive and that's working. So my closing question to you this morning is this. What kind of faith will save you? What kind of faith is going to save you? I, mean, I think it's pretty clear to see what we've looked at from James chapter 2 this morning. 
Like, it is a faith that, yes, trusts in Jesus and Jesus alone to save us, saves us completely, right? But in that, because of all that Jesus has done for us, our life should be different, like, afterwards. Our life should be transformed. Like, others should see Jesus in our lives. What kind of faith saves you? One that fully trusts in Jesus. That's it. But because of that, our life is drastically changed, and it should be evidenced by others. Maybe this morning you put the tester on your faith, and you're like, man, AJ, I, I don't know. Like, I, I prayed a prayer a while ago, as she's coming to my heart, but I don't think I really meant it. Or, or maybe you're just like, yeah, I, I did that, but I, I, man, I, I have no desire like, to, to serve others. I have no desire to grow my relationship with God and and, and my challenge is like, check up this morning. Like, make sure, I put the test on and make sure that you are really a believer. So as this last song, as they get ready to play, I want you to reflect on your life. Is it marked by faith in God? Is, it, is your life marked by faith in God? Authentic faith is always a faith that's active. Maybe this morning you realize, you're like, okay, I'm not a believer. Well, here's the great news about it. 2 Corinthians 6.2 tells us that today is the day of salvation, that if you have breath in your lungs and you are alive, and that today you can make the decision to give your life to Jesus. <clears throat> so as they play that last song, and you want to make that decision to give your life to Jesus, it's, it's really pretty simple. The Bible says it's, it's, you know, A, admit that you're a sinner. Admit, man, that you have broken God's law, and because of your sin, you don't have a relationship with him. The Bible says then to be believe that what Jesus Christ did on the cross, it was payment specifically, personally, for your sin. And then see, ask him to come in your heart and to save you. If you do make that decision in this closing song, I'd encourage you as you guys leave today, and Alex will be back there if you have any questions, back by the info center. Um, but we have these packets that have a devotion, uh, a book in there that will help you really in understanding like this new relationship with God. And so make sure you grab one of those. Those are completely free. Uh, those are for you guys. Let's go ahead and let's pray. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we thank you, God, for uh, just allowing us this time this morning uh, to spend really with you, God, and, and getting to just dig into your word and, and just really, God, to put the tester on our life and to see, I mean, are we really of the faith? Have we really made the decision to give our life to Jesus? And I pray that, God, if there's someone in here, a few in here, or whoever in here hasn't made that decision, I pray that today, that today would be their day of salvation for them. I pray that you would help them, God, to make that decision. And I pray for those that are in here that are believers, and they've made that decision, and they're living in their faith, and I pray that you continue to help use us, God, to reach Seneca County with the gospel of Christ. And not just to reach Seneca County, but Lord America, the entire world. Help us continue to proclaim the message of Jesus to all those that are in need, we pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for who you are. And most of all, we thank you for your son Jesus who died for us. In Jesus' name, amen.